0: Has become convinced that there is a great power hidden in the earth left here by the gods waiting to be seized by a superior man. So when he hears about my formula and what it can do, he cannot resist. Schmidt must become that superior man.
1: Did it make him stronger? Yeah. But there were other The serum was not ready, but more important, the men. The serum amplifies everything that is inside, so
0: good becomes great, bad becomes worse.
1: This is why you were chosen, because the strong men, who has known
0: power all his life, may lose respect for that power. But a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. Thanks, I think. Welcome, everyone, to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole. I'm so excited to be here tonight. Uh, We've got some amazing things to talk about, and... Just love being back. Uh, I hope everybody will forgive me this week, feeling a little under the weather. So I uh, just bear with me. Uh, but I couldn't miss the show. There's it, it, just, uh, it's it's yeah. You'll you'll understand why once we get there. But. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody, the 602 Club is part of the Trek FM network, and you can find all the shows at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're a feature provider there on iTunes. Uh, while you're in iTunes, hit us up with a star rating and review. That really helps out the show and it makes it easier for people to find when they're looking for different shows. So definitely do that. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter at FM. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. We're online at Trek.fm. We've also got the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group. Just type Babel in the search field on Facebook, and we can let you right in there to that closed group for all of our listeners here at Trek.fm. And then, uh, of course, if you'd like to send us an email, just go to trek.fm slash contact. Choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that'll come straight to me and uh, get to correspond with you back and forth, maybe hear about what you thought about the subject tonight, and maybe even uh, something you'd love to hear us talk about on the show. And of course, you can go to speakpipe.com slash trackfm to leave us a voicemail as well. Well, I'm excited because we are going to continue with Marvel this week, and uh, we have a huge film coming up, and Bruce, uh, are, are you ready for a Civil War
1: I am so ready for a civil war, and I'm living in Atlanta, where civil war is such a big deal. And I'm glad that we're going to concentrate on a different civil war instead of the American civil war.
0: Yeah, that one, that one wasn't, uh, that wasn't great. Um, you know, lots of people died in that one, and glad that it was fought. But uh, I'm glad we're not fighting that civil war. But yes, Captain America: Civil War is going to be coming out soon, and uh, so well it behooves us to talk about the Captain America films and I'm really excited to be able to do that with Captain America The First Avenger and I wanted to ask you Bruce because uh, for me I was never a huge Marvel fanboy growing up like I knew the DC characters much better and you know there were certain Marvel characters that I knew like Captain America or I think um Spider-Man, obviously. And then, of course, uh, I think probably the other one that I kind of knew a little bit about was Hulk. But really just wasn't all that familiar. So when their films started to come out, it really was kind of an education for me. And then, of course, I started to learn more and more as they came out. And Was the same for you? Or had you dove into the Marvel Universe comics-wise before the films had come out?
1: I was a huge Superman fan. So when I was into comic books, I was... Totally Superman. I had subscriptions to every Superman title, Justice League, uh, DC Comics Presents, uh, World's Finest. That's what I was into. So I dabbled in some other comics in the DC universe. And I would sometimes go to Marvel. But at that time, and we're talking late 70s, early 80s, when I was really deep into the comics, uh, all my friends were Marvel. Every single one of them. I heard about Doctor Strange. I heard about Avengers. I heard about every Marvel line out there, but I was the only one not reading them, or I would occasionally read them. So I really wasn't that familiar with Captain America. I mean, I, I knew him from the surface, knew generally about him. I, I don't even recall there being any cartoons on TV that featured Captain America. So he was something, he was someone I was just fairly familiar with i knew some of the history of the creation of his character i knew he wasn't owned by marvel when he first launched i think he was on a a comic book company that was purchased by marvel and so they he was one of their i guess one of the earliest marvel characters in the marvel universe yeah yeah so yeah um not all that familiar so it was it was i was very anxious to go in and see this movie when it first came out because i wanted to know more about Captain America and would I really like him or wouldn't I?
0: Well, it's really interesting too because, you know, this film is something that's a little bit different than everything else that we have gotten in the the Marvel Universe up to that point because for the most part, the majority of the films take place on kind of a present-day Earth. You know, obviously Thor has parts that take place in Asgard, but a good portion of the film also takes place on Earth circa 2000, whenever they were filming. I can't remember uh, at this point. But to really have this Captain America film that's going to really play as an extended flashback um, is was a really interesting idea. And, you know, to me, the the more I learned about Captain America, the more I was kind of glad that they stayed with the very classic origin of Captain America, you know, that he's that scrawny guy and... Uh, World War II time period who wants to go to war, but nobody will let him and you know he gets picked up for a special scientist program and turned into the only super soldier that we've ever had and uh you know I, I thought that that was a really great way to go, and kind of a bold move, you know at that point, period type pieces you know had weren't weren't all the rage. You know, to to do like a throwback film like this, like uh, World War II or something like that. So, uh, I think a bold move for Marvel, uh, but I'm glad that they went a little bit different with Captain America. It's almost like they had to do that.
1: I'm sure initially when they were considering making a Captain America movie, they wanted to present him in the present day and time because you are taking a risk by having it take place in an older past period of time world war ii are most general audiences especially the younger generation wanting to go see a superhero movie that takes place during world war ii probably not they probably want to see it more modern day but with captain america that's what captain america is all about captain america was created hence the name captain america he he was created, that character was originally created to portray fighting against Hitler and fighting against the enemies of world war II on behalf of the United States of America. So he's very patriotic and what better way to introduce this character than to put him in the setting that he was built and modeled for. But at the same time, introducing the chapters at the beginning, at the end of the film, to show that he is also part of our modern day universe. So starting off the film, it starts off modern day today and then takes that look back. And I think it was so appropriate and worked so well to have him in that environment.
0: No, I, I really do agree with you. And I think one of the cool things about what they decide to do with the character is that it also helps explain... I think it explains who the character is at his very core. You know, like, they don't change Steve Rogers at all. He's he's the same as he was in the comics, and that's going to be really important once we get to the Avengers films. And he is kind of this man out of time, but he's also this man who is very firmly rooted and grounded in a sense of uh, morality and virtue that have kind of gone by the wayside. So that's going to come really Big in a play in the Avengers films. But what I love too, just speaking about the idea of having this set back in World War II, by kind of setting up throughout this film the the heightened technology that you have, it actually helps you buy, I think, the later films. Like, you know, when you're talking about Iron Man and, uh, you know, Obviously, the Incredible Hulk is really based off their work of trying to create another super soldier. They even reference Captain America. You know, those kind of things. I, I think um, that enhanced science that we see back in World War II and all of that helps explain why you know marvel is kind of in an alternate universe really because it's not really our world you know and so it it does a great job of just setting up that um science had moved a little bit farther along (laughs) than we have even now um by world war ii and then of course when when we get into the other film so i just think it was a wise decision all around um and mainly, too, it just doesn't mess with the Cap origin story. I think it it really pulls the best of, of all the things from that origin story, and it really lets it shine. And I, I think, to me, that was the, the best part uh, of this film. And it was a nice change of pace. You know, when I was talking about the idea it's a little bit different, I, I think it, it helped set this one apart from Thor and Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. And it gave it a completely different feel, which was great, you know, at this point, because, you know, we're four films in. We've had two Iron Mans, an Incredible Hulk, and a Thor. You know, it's great that this film does feel completely different. It's
1: very opposite of Thor, with Thor feeling feeling very mystical, sci-fi, taking place in a different universe. Uh, And of course, Thor does come to our universe and participates in in that environment for most of that movie. But now we're seeing Captain America take place in a more grounded historical universe of our our time, of our past century. And I think for me watching that, I think it was kind of nostalgic in the fact that I've comic books really took off with superheroes and comic books in that period of time, the late thirties and into the forties. And to see a superhero movie take place in that time, just, just made it feel right. It felt like it should start there. And it's funny. You said about how it isn't really our universe. It kind of shows that it's in a slightly different universe. It's almost as if, it was our universe up until, up until this period of time during World War II. All of a sudden, little seeds are planted that start to divert that timeline off of our timeline into something a little more technical, a little more advanced in that technical aspect in that realm. Like you're saying, with going, you know, the seeds of Hulk in there and the seeds of Iron Man in there. It's all there. It's all planted. So to say this movie is the first Avenger, it really is the first Avenger movie if you look at the scope of all the Avengers together, this is the one that plants those seeds.
0: Well, it is interesting, too, that they had kind of wanted to film this film first, and uh, John Favreau wanted to do Iron Man, and so um, that's what they went with first. But was, I,
1: but was Iron Man really, was it planned to do Avengers at that time, or did that come after
0: he did the first Iron Man movie? You know, I'm not sure either. I think, uh, you know, Marvel definitely had... I mean, they had gotten a quite sizable loan, over $500 million, to be able to create their studio and set them on the course for Phase 1. And uh, there were definitely some things that were in flux as they were doing that. You know, uh, again, they had kind of... They had wanted, I think, to start with this film. And um, it was... It was uh, some rights issues being disputed and the fact that um, in as they got closer and closer to filming uh, some things, um, Favreau was uh, approached as a director, but he chose to make Iron Man instead, So, and they had some other things go on, so they ended up doing Incredible Hulk next, and then of course Iron Man 2. And, you know, so it's it's really interesting the way it, it just ended up working out. But, you know, I could see almost um, like if you're watching through the Marvel movies, you know, in a timeline, you know, th- this is definitely <laughs> almost the movie you kind of want to watch first because it kind of sets everything else that's going to come up next. So, um, yeah, Don't say it; uh, it's
1: a prequel.
0: It is a prequel, you're right, it is a prequel to all the other films, and yet what's funny is that this was the film that was also leading right into Avengers, and so big, big deal there uh, for what they were going for, And but I, I liked having this very different film before we got to Avengers, and part of that, I think, is um, really something that I've been thinking a lot about with, with Captain America and the movie, is this idea that character matters. You know, Captain America is a character that before he becomes the hero has a very moral and virtuous center. You know, I mean, he's like the paragon of virtue even before he becomes the superhero. He just is too small to do anything about it, you know? And uh, I, I think that's really cool. And he's also kind of an anomaly in the Avengers in that, he willingly chooses the enhancements. He willingly chooses the program. You know, and you think about it. Tony never planned on being Iron Man. Uh, he put the arc reactor in his chest to keep him alive, uh, and then he created a suit around that deformity that he ended up having. Uh, you know, Hulk definitely never wanted to be the Hulk, and you know, Thor. Well, Thor was born into it. He didn't have a choice. You know, so, uh, but the one thing that's so amazing about Cap is that, you know, Steve Rogers is an incredible guy from beginning to end and that never changes. And I love that, you know, his strongest vert- his strongest part of him isn't his strength that he gets, but it's the virtue inside. And that's that I think that says a lot to our culture these days.
1: Yeah, I really relate to this character too and the fact that he is this small little dude at the beginning of this film and you know he's getting bullied and picked on and but he's always had a kind heart see that 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 was me the back back way back in the day i was a small little guy i was one of the youngest in my class i got picked on occasionally some bullies here and there but i always had a heart of gold just like captain america <laughs> the only difference is i did not want to join the army and fight a war so, he's got more balls than I do. But <laughs> but you know, it but that's what's so great about this character. It's like you were saying, so many characters that become superheroes are people that usually accidentally Fall into that space. They, you know, something happens in a lab that they weren't expecting, and all of a sudden they discover they have these superhuman powers, or they come from some world where they come to Earth, or something happens to them. There's, you know, few heroes, or or something tragic happens to them that they have to become a superhero, a vigilante, and and try to save their day and redeem their parents that died or something to that effect. But here's a guy that's just like, you know, what? I'm a small guy. I don't always fit in. And, you know, I I have all this energy, all this wanting to make things right. I want to be the best. I'm just physically not there. It's in my heart. It's in my soul. I just hope, don't have that physical ability to make it happen. And then someone says, I can do that for you. And he says, yes, I'm in. Put me in and let's make this happen. And he turns out to be the best of the best. And that's because it's in his heart. It's in his will to be the best superhero. He was. He didn't have it easy through his life, and now he can make a difference and change things.
0: Well, and it's so cool because, you know, his experience has turned him into somebody who, even though he doesn't have the power to stand up to bullies, he still does, you know? Um, he He is somebody who has been molded and crafted into somebody that isn't going to allow people to get away with what they shouldn't be able to get away with. And, you know, it's so cool because, you know, Cap has always known the difference between right and wrong and for standing up for the little guy, even when he was the little guy. And I just think that that's something that's so cool about the character that. And I think makes him the coolest character in Marvel and the best character is that he is somebody he is like Marvel's Superman. He's the paragon of virtue. And there's nothing that can kind of touch that. And it doesn't mean he's perfect, but it just means that he is a guy who has a moral center that cannot be shaken. You know, and I think that's a really awesome thing. Again, in a world where morality and virtue aren't something we hold into high esteem, I just look at some of the other superheroes in the Marvel universe, Cap is is not that guy, you know. And it's going to be interesting because you know, right from this into Avengers where he's thrown in with a, a a world of moral relativism and, you know, characters that um, are all doing things for their own benefit uh, and for their own agenda and stuff. And cap's just the guy out there who's always just trying to do the best thing for as many people possible, even if it costs him his own life. And just, just awesome. You know, like I, I love Captain America because of what he stands for and who he is, and um, if you do it right, it, it 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 comes off great, and that's what I think they really do here with this whole thing. Is Cap is the ultimate Boy Scout, but somehow they are able to make this story really interesting and really relevant and uh, not boring. You know, that's the thing about Superman. People always say that he's boring because he always, you know, he's just a big blue Boy Scout. Cap's the same way but they made him really interesting so you can write a character that has a lot of virtue and not make him boring at the same time you know yeah
1: that's one thing I was thinking about too is people say that Superman's boring I, I guess I like Boy Scouts because I really do of course mentioned earlier that I really like Superman and right now I really like Captain America he's my favorite of the Avengers and I think just one reason is because they get it right in this movie. They they just make a compelling character. They make him interesting. He's somebody that you like. He, he's somebody that you can relate to, and you're rooting for. You want him to win, and 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 you want this poor little skinny guy to be this big superhero, this big powerful uh, soldier that's going to go out there and and beat Hydra or even Hitler, if 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 he'd had the chance to do that. But I I really did enjoy uh, this character. He's uh, he's definitely up there for me, and and Chris Evans does a great job in this role.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that I think is is really important here was the casting of Chris Evans as Captain America and Steve Rogers. You know, if if you don't pick somebody who can be sympathetic as that character you know, that doesn't make that virtue come off as being kind of a jerk or better than anybody, everybody else. Like it never happens with him. And what's so wonderful is that, you know, even when he gets his powers, people are still telling him, no, 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 you can't, you can't do things. You know, that's what's so interesting. Like he's still facing the same issues once he gets his powers and he has to go out there and he has to prove himself, you know, and. Chris Evans just brings a heart and a soul to this guy that is really is really special you know uh, there are certain characters that we think of in our heads as the people that played them and I think Chris Evans for Captain America for a really long time you're just gonna think him you know like I don't know who's gonna surpass that one day But it's going to be a really tough job because Chris Evans is fantastic.
1: And, you know, I just it just real I just realized right now that I forgot he was in the first uh, Fantastic Four films. He was the Human Torch. And I remember going into this movie thinking, oh, it's the Human Torch. It's the guy from Fantastic Four. And I've got to know him so well as Captain America that I forget that he was in the
0: Fantastic Four movies. It is nice that you his performance and everything about the Captain America movies is so good that you forget the Fantastic Four <laughs> films, you know? I even
1: forgot there was one this
0: past summer. Yeah, well, that one was totally forgettable. So, anyway, go back and listen to that show. It was fun. So, on top of Chris Evans, though, playing the role of Captain American, as we talked about, doing just such a fantastic job. I mean, the cast here is really amazing. they They picked out some great character actors and... For me, every time I watch this film, I don't know, for some reason I forget that Tommy Lee Jones is in it, it's Chester Phillips, and then I'm immediately reminded because everything he does is awesome. It's like he's in the Lego movie. Everything is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny you said that too because I forgot that he was in this movie too. I started watching it, and I was like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones. That's right. How can I forget that he's in there? I don't know what that says about him. <laughs> I mean, I think he's great in this film, but I don't know why I forget that he's there. Maybe because he doesn't carry over to the other films, and we forget about that. I don't know. But he's just so awesome in every—see, uh, look, you even said awesome. You sang awesome, and now awesome's in my head. That's the only thing I can say about him. He's awesome, and he's crusty old guy. And- but, you know, in a lot of ways, his characters are all the same. They're all Tommy Lee Jones, and that's okay. Just put Tommy Lee Jones as Tommy Lee Jones in any movie and it's going to work.
0: Well, what's great about him is like you said, you know, he's not going to carry over into the other cap films. And you need somebody that immediately has gravitas and that kind of like uh, gravelly gritty nature of his. But he is also like you you think that somewhere under, underneath all of that there's just a big teddy bear waiting to get a hug, you know? Um and yeah he just he's able to do all of those things in this role, and the way that he cares about the men under his command, obviously haley atwells Peggy Carter under his command, to everybody you know he he's trying to take care of all of these people and win help win this war, and everything he does, like it's comedic gold, it's dramatic gold, it's just gold. Uh, so more things for Tommy Lee Jones because he was he's just awesome, which leads me you know to kind of talk about uh, Haley Atwell playing Peggy Carter and and you know after so much time now with Peggy Carter for both seasons of Agent Carter, I just you know I I love Haley Atwell, and I think she was just the perfect choice to play Peggy Carter because. Man, does she go toe-to-toe with everybody and do such a good job?
1: Oh, yeah. She's up there with them. She can stand up to them and, and, and just, you can tell that she's in control, that she's a tough woman. Even that first scene that you see her in and that one big dude, you know, kind of flirts with her and takes her on, doesn't take her seriously. Like, what, a woman's going to give us commands and tell us what to do? And she just, boom, takes them down. And I'm like, yeah, you go, you, you do that. You take them down, girl, you do that. But you know, here's the thing about that. I don't like about Peggy Carter. No, don't get me wrong. I do like Peggy Carter, but I never got to watch the agent Carter series yet because I had, I put it on the DVR and then my wife deleted them after she watched them, but I didn't get to watch them. So it's kind of like a sore spot for me right now. Cause I have to go and watch those now because her performance really is good and and she's very attractive i i mean i would go back to the 1940s and and kiss her too just like captain but well he didn't go back he was already there but yeah she's um very tough takes control um great
0: character well and and what's great is that they give her this position and they give her this strength that comes out and she can do anything that the guys do, but it's not a big production or anything like that. It's just they do such a good job with the character, you immediately buy it, and they pick the right actress who had the right inner strength to be able to pull it off, and that you bought, you know? And that's I think that's one of the things that, for the most part, a lot of these uh, Marvel films have done, is if they have done a really good job with the side casting and just the casting in general, And that's a big part of superhero films. You know, if your cast doesn't work, people aren't going to be as uh, invested. And luckily, Peggy Carter and Haley Atwell just kind of draw you into that character. And for me, even though the Agent Carter series isn't as strong as I'd like it to be, especially the second season, it's her that really kept me coming back. Because she's such a great actress, and I really want to see her continue to be able to do more things and and if they give her another season I hope they really find their groove because she definitely deserves great material and and I think they just gave that to her here in the writing of the film. Well, we've got uh Sebastian Stan who uh, which that's a that that doesn't seem like a real name. Sebastian no, I Stan. Like it's Sebastian sounds like, Shaw. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Uh but he plays Bucky Barnes, you know, the good friend of Captain America which I love and you look at the old comics. The Bucky Barnes is like this plucky little kid, that's his sidekick. Yeah, he's like Robin for so, Batman. Exactly, and they definitely don't go that way at all. But I feel like they—they again—they—they they chose somebody who could play the different sides. You know, the guy who is the one protecting Steve at the beginning, and then the guy who's being protected by Steve by the end you know they just really picked a great actor who had a good range and which obviously was really important as you get into winter soldier and you really need to be able to buy this guy as like you know badass and uh yeah i really liked him um and uh you know he doesn't have a ton to do in this film but i think he does it really well and then the fact that they bring him back um yeah, great job by him.
1: Yeah, he really does a great job playing a good friend. Somebody who... It's almost like he's an older brother to Steve Rogers, and then later the roles reverse. And he balances that so well. He's consistent with the character, but to the point that he doesn't overplay it to be this this guy that is much bigger and broader and maybe tougher than Steve in the beginning, that they're just good friends. And then when the roles reverse, he doesn't downplay it. He still keeps it there at that level that he's still that same guy, but also doesn't underplay it to make it seem as if he's less than Steve or Captain America at that point. So he does a really great job. Chemistry between the two works well. And it's believable. Uh, And, you know, he... Spoiler: He dies, but like you said, he comes back. So, uh, really great. I don't want to go ahead, jump into the other movies, but yeah, great performance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: He dies and then comes back. So, but that happens in a lot of comic book movies. Yeah, a <laughs> lot. Well, I liked uh, and I thought it was interesting that um, you know Iron Man two had come out and John Slattery had played a older Howard Stark. And so they brought in Dominic Cooper to play Howard Stark, like in his prime and man, does he do a good job of really feeling like Tony, you know? Uh, I just, I think that the mannerisms that he has and, and everything like that kind of bring you to believe that this is Tony's dad, you know? And I think he plays it so well and he's very funny and uh, it was, it was great casting because there's nothing, he really is setting the stage for who Tony is going to be through the first two films, and uh, I, I thought that that was. It's interesting to play to see it in you know retrospect because we've already seen Iron Man one and Iron Man two at this point, but it 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 works really well. I I think they cast well, found the right guy to bring that character to life, so you bought him as Tony Stark's dad.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have really anything more to add to what you just said. You're exactly right. I mean, he he reminds you of Tony Stark, the way he, his mannerisms are, the way he looks. I actually buy the fact that they could be related. It's not like he's an actor that looks like... Wait, that, that guy doesn't look like he could be Tony Stark's father. They look nothing alike. I, you can see some of that resemblance there, and, and the mannerisms and the way he moves and the way he talks really supports that. And again, he's another one of those seeds, another seed in this movie that's leading to these other characters, these other Avengers in the other movies. And so there's a great connection between this character and to the Iron Man films.
0: Well, and I have to say, you know, they have... Neil McDonough in the film playing Dum-Dum as is one of the, the main howling commandos. And all I can say is that he's just not in the film enough. I love, love, love Neil McDonough. And, I mean, he was in Star Trek First Contact. Uh, he was in Flag of Our Fathers. Uh, he's in Arrow right now. And the guy is is really phenomenal. He's a great actor. And uh, I I just... I'm sad that he wasn't in more things because he was also in Band of Brothers as well. And the guy is just outstanding as an actor. Uh, and and if, uh, if somebody's never seen Band of Brothers, you need to go out and watch Band of Brothers. Uh, he plays Buck Compton and just is, is fantastic. So I knew him coming into the film because of Band of Brothers. And it may be a little sad that he didn't have more to do in this film. I was
1: surprised it's been a couple of years since I watched this movie. And when he showed up on screen, I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. You know, I, and all of a sudden I started realizing we're not going to see that much of him. And, 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 and for some reason I remembered him having more to do, at least that the, that was the impression I had, I think because he has such a great character that it just stood out to me. So when I watched the film again, it was surprising to me what little he he had. Not that he, he was a very small part, but he just comes across as something bigger that you would expect to see more of him and more of this character in there. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, this actor, Neil's great. He's he's a great performer. Like you said, I've been enjoying him lately in Arrow. And he, he'll always be Lieutenant Hawk from First Contact for me.
0: Ah, oh, poor Lieutenant Hawk. Ah. Uh sucks when you get turned into Borg and then killed. Yep. Yeah. It just sucks you right out into space. Does. Does. Well, I love that they used uh, Stanley Tucci as Abraham Erkskine. And he's just... You know, Stanley Tucci can be in anything, and he's just good. And he has such a way, especially in the conversations that he's having with Steve about when when they're the day before they're going to have the procedure done for Steve and they're sitting there on the bed and they're having this conversation and they're talking about why he came over to America and all of those things that you know it was it was really nice because he's also the person that recognizes the specialness of Steve before anybody else you know that that he is the one that should be the super soldier because he's the one who's already super. He just doesn't have a way to to play it out in his life. You know, like Steve is already a super hero. He just doesn't have the body of a superhero. And I love that Stanley Stucci sees that because this wonderful thing of of talking about how the serum brings out what you already have in you. You know, and if you have badness, it just makes it more bad. But if you have goodness, it makes it more good. And, you know, Steve already has as much goodness as any human can have, really. And I I love that his character sees that and the way he plays it. And it's so sad that he dies because uh, I would have really liked to have uh, seen him play more. Obviously, that's just kind of the way it goes with the comic book origin story uh, and they need him to die, so they can't make any more super soldiers. Uh, and Steve can be the only one. So, but uh, yeah, he's just phenomenal.
1: I I never thought about him being a super soldier. Uh, he would have been a good candidate for that. Uh, maybe in an alternate universe, we can see that story. That would be interesting to me. Uh, Matt, you you'll like what I'm about to say now because I'm going to do a Star Wars reference. This character is the Obi Wan Kenobi of this film he is the mentor and he dies (laughs) so just like in a new hope so uh very similar he's he's showing steve that he has it in him to be this and that he's the right choice and he is in some respects the chosen one for this and uh then he gets killed, and then Steve has to do this on his own. He has to stand on his own and go by the wisdom of what Stanley's character told him.
0: That's that's a great point. That's a really great point. It's really interesting to see that play out throughout the film. I love that read that it, there is a Star Warsness to it. That you have the guy who doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't. He's nobody thinks he's anything special but somebody else knows he's special, sees it in him, gives him the ability, the power to make it special, like showing him the Force. Yeah, that's really, I like that a lot. Um, and But I think what's great about it too is it shows the way in which um, this film, I think, really harkens back to a lot of the archetypes to which uh, classic films and stories use. And they do the hero's journey here with Steve. I think they do it really, really well. You know, Um, this is a big hero's journey for Steve Rogers. And going somebody who always wanted to be the person that people could rely on, he could protect them, but he could never do that. And now he can. And then also dealing with the ramifications of having that power and not necessarily being able to save everyone. You know, because obviously he doesn't save Bucky, or at least, you know, he thinks Bucky's dead, and so I just, I love the hero's journey that we get here with Steve, and the fact that, you know, the the struggle of dealing with being a super-powered person, and having it impact your life, like, I love the scene where he's in the bar, and he, it's all bombed out, and he's drinking, he's like, I can't even get drunk, you know, uh, and she's like, well, yeah, that's because your metabolism is burning like 4,000 calories a day. So, <laughs> Duh, yeah. But I just, the things that that Steve has to go through to become the hero are, are just, it's a great story. And I really, really like it.
1: And that bar scene was one of my favorites because when he said he couldn't get drunk, I thought, oh, well, you know, I guess that's kind of the price you pay. And then when she says that his metabolism is like 4,000 calories, I was like, you know what? I'll take that, especially since I'm on a diet right now. I like to burn as much fat as I possibly can. So if I didn't ever have to get drunk to do that, that's just perfectly fine with me. Just pass over that chocolate cake.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you, man, Uh, because I'm not a person who likes to drink to get drunk anyway. I just like the way it tastes. So, you know, uh, so yeah, if I can have my cake and eat it too, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so sign Bruce and I up for uh, Super Soldiers. Yeah, super. let's do it. So that's what we're saying. Well, the the villain here, you know, Hugo Weaving is Johann Schmidt or the Red Skull, I think is really interesting as a villain, especially in the Marvel Universe, because he is about as Bond supervillain as it gets. I mean, and what's and what's interesting is he's playing next to Hitler in this film. Because we're during World War II. And the fact that somehow they make him feel almost worse than Hitler is kind of crazy. Um, I mean, not with the concentration camps or anything, but I mean, he's just he's just gonna kill anybody who stands in his way. It doesn't even matter. He's not gonna put him in camps. They're just gonna die. Uh, this guy is is bad. And what I liked is is that He's a strong villain. You know, I don't feel like the Marvel films, for the most part, except for Loki, have really great villains. I feel like this guy is a really, it's a really strong villain. You know, anytime you have a guy who's wanting to take over the entire world and has a good plan to do it, and there's only one guy to stop him, that's, that's not bad, you know, especially in a superhero movie. And they, I feel like they just make it work. And
1: in the beginning of the movie, they establish what a badass he is. I mean, he goes and he gets the artifact that he needs, and then he kills everyone in the village. He didn't have to do that. Already you know that this is a dangerous guy, that we need to really be fearful of of his wrath. And you're right. I mean, Hitler is the ultimate bad guy. He works for Hitler, but now he's superseding him. And And now even Hydra seems to be more threatening than the Nazis are. So to pull that off in a in a movie that takes place during World War II, I mean Hitler and and Nazis are bad enough as it is. Now you've got this guy with Hydra. I mean he he's gonna take over the whole world, including Berlin. When they're like, wait, why is Berlin on the map? He's like, I'll show you why. And he shoots all the Nazis that came in, or the officers from Germany that came in to to see his new inventions. So he was very much uh, in strength equal to Captain America. So, of course, when you have to have those fighting scenes, they have that same strength that they can fight with each other, but he's the opposite of Cap. Cap had a good soul, got the strength, and it just it just enhanced his his goodness. And this enhanced our villain's badness, and therefore he is the Red Skull.
0: Well, and it's funny, uh, you never think of Hitler making a deal with the devil, but that kind of happens oh, yeah. in this film. yeah, you're right, this is the devil. Yeah, I mean, he really plays that well, and, and I, I love too, you know, the fact that they actually reference Raiders of the Lost Ark at the beginning of the film, where he's like, let Hitler, who's obsessed with digging for his trinkets in the desert, have them, and, you know, something like that, and as he's looking at the Tesseract, and I just, I love that, that they're actually referencing uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark at that point, so. Even that scene felt like
1: Raiders of the Lost Ark, or something from Indiana Jones.
0: It really does, it really does, and that leads us right into the director here, you know, Joe Johnson worked on the original Star Wars, and he worked on the visual effects, and then, of course, he worked on the Indiana Jones series. And then he directed uh, The Rocketeer, which is one of my favorite films. And you can really see the influences here that he... I I really think he was the right person for the job to make this work, to make it believable and make it fun. Because it has that Indiana Jones, Rocketeer with a side of Star Wars kind of feel to it, like you were talking about. Like, it, it's really... You have somebody, I feel like, who understands the pulp genre. And like you said, you know, the 30s and the 40s were the highlight for... Com- I mean, the golden age for comics. And I feel like he's doing such a great job of bringing that together. And I, I really like his direction here. And I think he does a, a fantastic job of making a period piece film work... Because he's putting it in the same light as something like Indiana Jones or A Rocketeer, which also just worked phenomenally.
1: The way he shoots this movie reminds me of a lot of the films that Steven Spielberg has directed and and the certain style, the certain camera work with it. Uh, And, you know, people like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were influenced by films of that era. And Joe Johnson working with these guys and, and obviously shooting a movie that's taking place in this era. It was the perfect tone, it was the perfect direction. I, I love some of the the work that was done where you know, he zooms in on, on certain items like the car with the medallion on it for Hydra and the way that zooms in. That was very that reminded me so much of Spielberg in and, and his direction. Um, and not to say that Joe Johnson is Spielberg. I'm not saying that he's copying Spielberg. I'm just saying that there's some similarities there, and that style was so reminiscent of the 30s and the 40s, so it fits so well with this film. I really enjoyed the direction of this, and uh, Joe Johnson's work, uh, you know, in special effects. And this is being a special effects movie. You know, things are getting better as we go along with these films, where. Special effects don't always stand out as, oh, you can tell that's fake or, oh, you can tell that's CGI. There, a lot of the films are getting better and better with that. They seem to find the right balance and the right blend. And that certainly was in here. There was a few few times when we saw the the little Steve Rogers where I could tell it looked a little manipulated. But but a lot, most of the time it looked so good and so real.
0: Well that's that's a really big thing to talk about because you know half this film takes place before Steve becomes Captain America and you know before basically he looks like Chris Evans as we all know what Chris looks like these days which is phenomenal let's not lie um and I think it's pretty impressive uh, the way that they were able to make this skinny Steve work you know um in the different things that they did to make that work. You know, um sometimes it was thinning down Chris Evans himself. Sometimes it was putting his head on a smaller guy's body and thinning it all up. Sometimes it was just the body double. Sometimes it was a combination of everything they were doing. And it's it what's great about it is the fact that I, I was, you know, watching the movie the other day and I feel like the skinny Steve still works so well. I mean, they really, I feel like for the most part, they did their job to the best of their ability, and it's still holding up today.
1: Yeah, I agree. It definitely holds up. I I can't help but watch Skinny Steve and try to look for imperfections. I can't help but sit there and go, well, okay, I know that's not really Chris Evans, and so I'm constantly watching that going, okay, does that look good? Does that look real? Does that... In in some ways it's distracting when you know that's not really the actor, but it looks so good, it's so believable, and you know I almost think that's probably what he looked like when he was 14 years old. It's too bad, uh, you know, he couldn't just go back into the past and grab his 14 year old self to come and play that part in this movie. But uh, and I actually saw uh, Chris Evans in a movie not that uh, just this weekend. I don't know what my daughters were watching on Netflix, but it was a movie prior to this and. And not to say that he was small, but he was a little smaller than what uh, he is as Captain America. So he really bulked up for this movie.
0: Yeah, he did. I mean, uh, even those aforementioned um, Fantastic Four films that we were talking about, he was not this big. And um, so he he definitely changed his body quite a bit for this. And And it was interesting because they knew they weren't going to be able to do the thing where... You know, he could get real skinny so he could do the part, and then he could bulk up. They just didn't have the time to be able to do that, so they had to think of all these other ways and use the technology to the best of their ability. And I, th- I really do. I think it's it's fantastic and it works so well. Next to that, was interesting to me is that I like. I don't think most of the Marvel films up to this point have had a really strong soundtrack, but this is the one that kind of stands out for me because I can actually remember the theme, the Captain America theme. You know, it's this kind of wonderful, melodic, patriotic feel to it, and I, I think Sylvester did a, a pretty good job, um, uh, and I really wish that I felt like music and soundtracks were more important to the marvel films because this one i think it needed to have a good one you know it it needed to have something that sounded different sounded classic and i think he does a a really good job of making that happen um because you you want this soundtrack to feel more like an indiana jones or you know uh, the rocketeer or something like that because the music is so much a part of those type of films and so I think uh Silvestri for the most part does a pretty good job for himself.
1: I'm with you. I would like to see more theme music in, in a lot of these films. I don't necessarily say that it ruins it if it's not there or that I really miss it, but I do enjoy it quite a bit when it is there and I did enjoy it in this movie. I did not I've I never bought the soundtrack to this film, but now that we're talking about it. I'm looking to buy another good soundtrack, so I might just uh, I might just go into iTunes and do that tonight. So uh, it it really was a good uh, I I did like the music. It was patriotic, and it felt like it was for the time, and also felt like mu- music for an action superhero movie. So it was a good blend of that, and I even enjoyed uh, the uh, stage performances they were doing as uh, Steve Rogers was going on tour trying to. What was it bonds or something for the Army, or <laughs> really? yes, yes,
0: selling the bonds that was great,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty good, too,
0: well, and that's the thing that i I think just kind of talking uh, like maybe final thoughts, I guess, but you know one of the things that I like about the movie is the way it captured the time period, you know and and bonds selling bonds was a big deal, you know, um we needed money to fund the war and to fight the the Axis powers in World War II. And, um, you know, the fact that everywhere he went, there was a huge bump in Bond sales. Uh, you know, it's not surprising when you see that guy on stage and you think, oh, that's a representation of what all of our soldiers are like, you know? And um, I kind of like the slow nature to the film of finally getting him to that point. Because... You know, some some superhero films, they go so fast to get the character into the suit and all. And here, it really was about the journey for Steve. Like, I, again, I liked that even when he gets his powers, people are still telling him, no, you can't do things, you know? Like, that doesn't solve the problems, you know? Uh, and Steve has to find a way to be able to show everyone what he can do, and what his value is, outside of, you know, being in tights on stage selling bonds. And I really, I just really liked that. And the way that they built up to it in this film, so that by the time he goes on the rescue mission, you know, he's using the triangular shield. What's great is, too, they were able to go through different variations of the costume, you know, like doing the stage stuff. He's wearing the classic costume. It looks ridiculous, you know, like, uh, but he gets to wear it on screen until they finally get to the official costume that we'll have for this movie. And uh, I don't know. I, for me, I think they just do a really great job of telling this story. And it's it's one of my favorite Marvel films. It's it's like right up there with uh, Captain America 2. So, in fact, I think these are side by side each other. So, Bruce, if you rated... Captain America, the, the first Avenger, where do you think you'd put it? What, what, what would you rate it?
1: With the other Marvel films? Or just by itself. Just by itself. Um, let's see. I would say I like it a lot. It's one of my favorites. It's not my favorite of the Marvel films, but by itself, I would give it four and a half shields out of five.
0: Nice. That's a good rating. That's a really good rating. So uh, anytime you give a film a four and a half, that's that's pretty solid. So, you know, uh, for me, yeah, this is my second favorite Marvel film. And um, I I love Captain America. I love the character. I love what he stands for. I love who he is. I love how they betray him. I love the actor playing him. I like his supporting cast. And I think the film was just so successful and it works so well. I really enjoy sitting down to rewatch this one. And uh, I'm right there with you. This is, this is probably 4.75 Tesseracts for me. Like, this is just, a great movie. Uh, there's, there's really not anything about it that I don't like. So, it's, it's, it's almost like the Mary Poppins of films. Practically perfect in every way. So...
1: <laughs> it helps the uh, medicine go down, the sugar.
0: That's all in this movie. That's true, and the and the Nazis to go down to <laughs> yes. get shot. Yeah, exactly. You fight the uh, Nazis with sugar? It, no, no. Fight them with Captain America's bicep. So, uh, well, I'm really glad you know we get to to talk about these things here on the Six Hundred Two Club. I'm so excited to be talking about the Cap films till we get to Civil War for just the next few weeks. And I really want to thank our associate producers who allow us to do that. Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson, both associate producers here through Patreon. Now, Patreon is the way in which listeners can support all of the content that's coming to you from Trek FM. Now, we have a lot of different feeds coming to you. We have a lot of different shows. And all of that costs a lot to be able to bring to you each and every week. So go to patreon.com trekfm and you can see how you can become part of the team and make sure that all of this great content keeps coming to you. Uh, we've got some great perks for you. We've got exclusive content, producer credit, seats on the content development team. We've got the Patreon roundtable and so much more. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can join us and help make sure all of this comes to you each and every week. Bruce, uh, I love having you back here to the 602 Club. Uh, and I know you've got some places that you are online. So uh, before we let everybody go... Let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Well, if I'm not here in the 602 Club and I've noticed that for some reason on this show, I'm not getting drunk. So maybe I've got that Captain Mar- America thing going on right now. But you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, I occasionally do some things over
0: there at StarWarsReport.com awesome man Uh, thanks for being here and of course you can find me on twitter at matt 2 you can also find me doing the orb with chris jones here in the network where we talk about deep space nine i am also on literary tracks with dan and bruce likes to show up there every once in a while we're talking about the books and the comics of star trek Uh, i also do another show with my friend john mills over on the nerdparty.com and that is called aggressive negotiations and it is all about star wars in fact, we just did Our Force of Weekend show, so you'll want to check that out on iTunes or at the nerdparty.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear?